0: This morning, if you will take out your copy of God's Word, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 18, looking at verses 1 and in 41 through 46. Now verse 1 is going to be real short, but I'm just giving you some context as to where we uh, find ourselves today. If we could transport ourselves back to the beginning of chapter 18, the scripture tells us the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. That's back in chapter 18, verse 1. Now, we have walked through a lot of this text. And there, now between where verse 1 is in chapter 18 to where we find ourselves here in verse 41, a lot has happened. A lot has happened. We find that Ahab and Obadiah had headed out to find water for the livestock. Obadiah bumps into Elijah. Elijah tells Obadiah to tell Ahab, Behold, Elijah. Or either say, Elijah is here. Go back and tell him that. One of the two. Obadiah fears the Lord will sweep away Elijah once Obadiah leaves. He's like, I've heard this before. I've seen the Lord do this before. You say something and poof, you're gone. The Holy Spirit just takes you somewhere else. And this King Ahab, at least Jezebel anyway, They don't like us prophets. They don't don't like us talking to them about about you. Yet Obadiah relays the message to Ahab. Well, Ahab and Elijah meet with some name-calling and accusations. Ahab calls Elijah the troublemaker. And Elijah says, you got it wrong. You got it backwards, buddy. You're the troublemaker. You're the one causing all the problems. He turns the tables back on him. And then Elijah calls on the Lord. Then, excuse me. Then Elijah calls for the challenge at Carmel. Then Elijah calls on the Lord to be faithful. The Lord is faithful, and the prophets Abel and Asherah are deposed. So this gets us to our focus this morning, and I've entitled this sermon this morning: "The Promise of the Drought's End." The promise of the drought's end. The Lord tells us, told Elijah. There in eighteen one, it says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So we see that in obedience, we see in obedience that Elijah has gone back to Ahab and told him. Elijah didn't have any fear. Elijah went straight back just as the Lord commanded him to do so. And he handled the situation. Now, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. This is a short portion of Scripture. last few weeks, I've been preaching through large portions of Scripture. So I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand with me for the reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible Word. We're going to read just verses 41 through 46. You follow along in your copy of God's Word. I'll read it aloud. And I'm reading from the New King James. 1 Kings 18, 41 through 46. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So the servant went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times Elijah responded to him and said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that the, it says he, but I'm just clarifying so that you know who's speaking here, that the servant said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So Elijah said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Today, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we see three primary points, or at least I do. I see three primary points that we're going to look at in this text today. These short few verses verses 41 through 46 the drought the promise of the drought ends is the title the three points we're going to look at today the first point is the foreseen fulfillment of the promise the foreseen fulfillment of the promise the second point we're going to look at is the passionate prayer in the promise and then lastly is the dashing downpour In the promise. I'm going to tell you, that was the hardest one for me to figure out. I'll be honest with you. It was really difficult. The dashing downpour of in the promise, if you will. So we're going to look at those three things this morning. And the first thing is is the foreseen fulfillment of the promise. Look there in verse 41. It says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat, and drink. Why did he tell him to eat and drink? We have Ahab. He is... He is first, before I get into why he tells him that, Ahab is still close by. Ahab is still close by. This was an explosive event. So we find, after this is done, so what did Elijah do? He presented himself before Ahab. What did the Lord say I was gonna, he was going to do? He said, I'm going to end the drought when you go present yourself before Ahab. Elijah did as the Lord commanded. He obeyed. So Elijah finds Ahab, and he says, hey, look, go on up and eat. Because you know what? I am confident. I foresee the fulfillment of the promise. I see it coming. This is the thing. If God's word says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter if right now in this moment I see evidence of it happening or not. It's going to happen. Because God keeps his word. God keeps his word. There's no evidence yet that a a raindrop is even going to come yet. No evidence. There's no dark cloud. There's no wind. There's no storm. There's no little misting. You know. There's no looking out over the horizon yet to see that. Oh, like you're driving down I-22 and you can see in a distance and you say, Oh, I can see it's raining up ahead. On top of that, you can see headlights coming on a on a normal day and you see headlights coming in a couple of windshield wipers. Oh, there's rain up ahead. I can see that. There's no evidence of that yet. But what does Elijah tell him to do? go up eat and drink he tells to go up and eat and drink for there is the sound of abundance of rain why can he do that because he knows god's word is true and god keeps his promise the only there's there's a couple of things that are kind of interesting about all this though you know there's no record that Ahab has any remorse over his supporting and tolerating these prophets of Baal and Asherah and his wife, who is all about this polytheism, who's all about these, these gods. There is no remorse. We don't see any repentance. We don't even see Elijah stomping his foot on Eli- on Ahab. You see that? That's so strange. I find that such a interesting, such an interesting point that we don't see any of that. It's very likely that Ahab... It even went down by the brook Kishon to see, to see the, the the outcome, if you will, of the Lord answering the prayer of Elijah. And he tells him, "Go on up, eat and drink." Now, now that, it's interesting to me. There's there's so much interesting stuff. Commentators didn't have a whole lot of answers to my questions as I read this week, but we know that they down the Mediterranean Sea was not far from Mount Carmel. It obviously it's still there today. <laughs> But it's not drinkable water, it's salt water. But yet, Elijah tells him to go up and eat and drink. Go ahead and celebrate. Celebrate. Elijah tells him to do that. Because Elijah had foreseen the fulfillment because he had seen God's faithfulness to keep his word. He knew it. He knew that God was going to keep his word. It's interesting in this text. It says, Elijah tells Ahab, go up. Eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Now, this word sound is better translated from the Hebrew for a voice of the noise. For a voice of a noise. Although Elijah could not literally hear the raindrops, there was no no visible, no physical sign that that rain had come yet. In his spirit, Elijah knew the faithfulness of God and could in his spirit hear the clap of raindrops to the earth. And for you and I, we should have a God of expectation. We expect God to keep his promises. And when we when God says, I'm gonna do it, it's almost like there's no cloud in the sky, but I in my spirit I can hear the rain falling. In my spirit, I, I know God's gonna keep his promise because he's good for it and i believe a lot of times we the reason why so many people have problems with god is they doubt his goodness and god's good for his promise god is good for his promise we we look at this and and we also understand that like i said earlier there was no packed lunches you know there wasn't no yeti coolers out there with 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 drinks and and, and capri sons for the little ones and all that. There, was, there wasn't none of that out there so these folks are hungry and thirsty it's a long day they hadn't eaten anything is but but yet but yet elijah tells ahab go up eat and drink you know why because he's the king somebody he's he's probably got a cooler in his chariot <laughs> those guys come prepared for the king right And so he's he's got something and and he tells him, go on up there and eat and drink. Elijah told him, he said, the drought would only end by the sound of his voice. The Lord told Elijah when he presented himself to Ahab, the drought would end and the time had come. He told him him back earlier, back into chapter 17, he said, the only way this drought's going to end is it's going to come by my voice. And then the Lord went and hid him by the brook Cherith. Remember? Remember? That was back in chapter 17. And then he took him from the brook Cherith over to Zarephath. Okay? And the Lord kept moving him about, kind of bouncing him around the outer edges and then he brought him to where he needed to be. Sometimes the Lord might bounce you around the outer edges getting you prepared for where you need to be. Be patient with the Lord. Be patient with the Lord. His promises are good. Be patient with the Lord. Elijah knew, just as you and I should, that his obedience was a part of God's plan. Our obedience is a part of God's plan. Elijah also knew that God's word does not change when he makes his promise. God's word does not change when he makes a promise. God's promises are often covenants sealed with a sign. God's promises are often covenants sealed with a sign. Here are a few covenantal promises that I've typed out today. God keeps his covenant to Adam by sending Jesus to crush the head of the snake, Satan. God keeps his covenant to Noah in saving mankind and never flooding the earth. And he gives the sign of the rainbow. God keeps his covenant with Abraham by supplying uh, he and his wife with children, numerous as the stars. God keeps his covenant with Moses by evacuating the Israelites from Egypt and setting an order of living for them and future generations. We find that in Leviticus and we find that in Deuteronomy. God keeps his covenant to David by placing a king on the throne of Israel forever. That is Jesus. And then God keeps his covenant to his people by sending Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins and our path to the Father. God keeps his promises. Now we know there are lots of promises in the Bible. Lots of promises. Okay? And some people want to go all crazy wacky and start choosing these promises that were contextually bound. They were bound to an individual or a certain situation in the Bible, and they say, Ooh, I want to pick that for me. That ain't for you. And that's a lot of the Old Testament. A lot of the Old Testament promises were not for all of us. Many of the New Testament or the majority of the New Testament promises are for God's people, His church. But most of the the Old Testament promises were not blanket. They were very specific. So you got to be careful when you go through there. A lot of people want to nitpick say this promise and that promise and this promise and that promise. No, you don't cherry pick what you want you got to read the context. Why don't I go back and tell you all of what happened with Elijah all the way through chapter 18? Why don't I tell you that? Because you need to know context. A lot of of churches and everything go today and they'll they'll cherry pick one verse and they'll say, oh, this is is something we anchor our church on. Where else does it say anything remotely close to that? Is is there anywhere else? we got to be cautious of that we got to be cautious of that. The promises of God, though, they are good for us. They are good. And, and no matter what the promises were, it was either promises to get Jesus here or it was promises to get Jesus in us. One of the two. Through the Old Testament, the covenants were made so that the people of Israel would be able to... Uh, the line, the 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 scarlet thread, if you will, that should come through the that, that would lead to Jesus Christ. Those covenant promises were to lead to Christ coming, and then the promises after that was so that God and Christ may continue going. We need to be mindful of that. That's the purposes of promises. It's not so you and I can be better. It's so you and I can know Christ and know Him better. And serve him better. That's the reason why we have these promises. People want to claim these promises. I want to be rich. All these prosperity preachers. Be careful what you watch on TV. Be careful what you listen to on podcasts and things like that. Be careful. Be very careful. Anyways, back to the text. Back back to what I was talking about for this morning. The covenantal promises. These covenants are highly esteemed promises that only God can fulfill. We are grateful for those who went before us and were able to participate in them before we participated in the new covenant that was sent through Jesus Christ. Now this promise of rain was about to be fulfilled to the people of Israel through Elijah's being willing to be cut away. Elijah's willingness to be smelted away, and Elijah's willingness almost to be put away. I mean, coming before Ahab, he was putting his life on the line. He was coming out of hiding. And if you remember, when Obadiah met up with Ahab, Obadiah told him, he said, the king has sent out people all across the country into every city to find you, Elijah. And every one of their leaders said, we ain't seen him. And he even made a sign to it. Make an oath to it, if you will, that they ain't seen you. That's a big deal. So he was almost put away. But by God's sovereign and divine hand, the promise of the drought was about to end. For you and me today, what is the application of this portion of the text? In this verses 41 through the first part of 42. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat. And drink. What is that? I believe it is that we should be people who fully expect God to be faithful to his word. Elijah foresaw the fulfillment of the promise. Why did he foresee that? It's because God's word is true. And because he was obedient to God's directing of his life. Are we being obedient to God's directing of our lives? And if we are, There are stipulations at times on promises that God gives. I believe it's, sometimes I misquote this, it's either Psalm 34 or Psalm 37. People want to use that scripture out of context. They'll say, oh, God will give you the desires of your heart. You better read all that passage of that chapter right there. It says, if you dwell within my boundaries and all these different things, there's there's stipulations of obedience. And then God will give you the desires of your heart. It's not just God will give you the desires of your heart flippantly. Like, oh, let me give you a car and you a car and you a car. He's not Oprah. He's, he's God. And there's 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 stipulations that you gotta meet. God says, be obedient. I'll keep my promise. But you need to be obedient. If I call you to obedience, People will know you are my disciples by the love you show to one another. But he also says, people will know you are my disciples if you keep my commandments. He says that too. So it is that we should fully expect God to be faithful to his word. We should be people who do not second guess the Lord. I kind of talked about that this past week. not doubters and complainers. We should be people who do not second guess the Lord. We should be people who are committed even when we are put through trials and temptations. I mean, could you imagine being out there for three months as Elijah was, out there by the brook Kishon? I mean, at the brook Cherith? How lonely that must have been. Ravens bringing him bread and meat in the morning, drinking water from a creek. I don't know. I'd probably go about insane. I mean, <laughs> but you know what? You better have, you, who you better have a good relationship with if you don't want to go insane? You better have a good relationship with the Lord. And that's what Elijah had. He had a good relationship. We... We need to be people who are committed even when we are put through trials and temptations. We should be people who trust in the Lord of fulfilled promises. He is a Lord who fulfills his promises. God said in Genesis 3 that I, I, will, uh, I will send one who will, the snake will bite him on the hill, but yet he will crush his head. What they call the proto which means the first gospel. God kept his word. How did he keep it? He kept it by sending his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's who he sent. That's the promise kept. That's the promise kept. We should be people who trust in the Lord to fulfill promises. Then we look at verses 42 through 44. The passionate prayer in the promise. Look there in the latter part of verse 42. It says, And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So the servant went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times uh, Elijah said to him, Go again. Then it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Elijah said to the servant, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. So there is a passionate prayer in the promise. God does not, just because God keeps a promise and, and, and gives a promise, it does not negate our responsibility and our relationship to pray to the to, to the Father. Just because God makes a promise, it shouldn't say, Well, God made a promise, I ain't got to talk to him about it no more. He's good. It's all right. Now listen, it's not that you go to prayer because you doubt him. You go to prayer because you want to see it fulfilled quicker. Sometimes the Lord will bring things on that you're like, Lord, I'd love to see you do this in, in a in a different manner. I know that you're good for it. I know you're going to keep it, but I don't know your timetable. I don't know the Lord's timetable. I don't know when God's going to do this for me or that for you or for our church. So I go to the Lord. You made a promise. I believe that you're going to keep it. When, when are you going to bring it? I don't know, but I'm going to pray that it comes quick. I pray that it comes quick. I pray that you'll answer that prayer. If we want to focus our prayers, we must remove ourselves at times from the distractions of life and set ourselves apart to prayer. There is nothing more distracting. I can't believe I still got it in my pocket. There's very few things more distracting than this thing right here, than a phone. I mean, it is so distracting. I'm the world's worst. I'm just telling you. There's a little confession. I'm making it before my church. All right? It's distracting to us, and we don't take the time with the Lord, but we take the time with Facebook, and we take the time with Instagram. And for those that are younger, or maybe you're not, take the time with Snapchat or TikTok. You're taking the time with them, but are you taking the time with the Lord? It's conviction on our hearts, conviction on my heart. I know that. Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, ESPN, you name it. Who's getting more of your time, them or Jesus? Remove the distraction for some time. I'm not telling you got to be like a hermit, remove everything. you got But take some time with the Lord. Get some undistracted time with the Father. These are the six special guidelines for a meaningful time with God. He says, have a special time. And what he means by that, this is the first guideline to have a meaningful time with God daily is to designate a special time that you meet with him. If you go back and you read through the New Testament, you see many a times Jesus would separate from everybody else and he would go up early in the morning, wouldn't he? Most of the time he would go up early in the morning. The best time to, to have time with the Lord, I'm just telling you, I believe it is, is early in the morning. It is early in the morning. You wake up. I don't know what you drink in the morning. Maybe you drink coffee. Maybe you drink sweet tea, which never understood that. But if you do, good for you. Some people drink sweet tea. You drink coffee, get you a thing of juice, whatever it may be. You sit down there at the kitchen table, maybe before everybody else gets up, spend a little time with the Lord. You got to have a special time. Have a special time set apart for the Lord. Have a special place. This needs to be somewhere you enjoy. It needs to be private. Now, some of you may say, I ain't got a private place in the house. I got little kids. I understand. You might even say, I can't even go to the bathroom by myself. That's the way a lot of young parents are. I can't even shut the door before the kids got their foot in there. Mom? Dad? It might not be that private. But find some special place. A place. This needs to be somewhere you enjoy, and it needs to be private. Take that time. Have a special place. Thirdly, have a special plan. If you do not plan to pray, you will not pray. Have a special time daily. Have a developed g- daily game plan. Have a special daily game plan for the time that you're going to set apart to uh, spend time in prayer with the Lord. Have a special book, which that sounds silly. Like I said, this is common sense. It's the Bible. Take the Bible with you. Now, listen, you may say, I don't know where to start. <clears throat> okay? Okay. Got one of these, got a few more left on that back table. It's the F-260 Bible reading plan. Pick that up, read it. You have no excuse. And and aimlessly, aimlessly opening it up and going, "Mm, I'm going to read there. You're not going to get anything out of that. You know, I mean, you may, you may. I don't want to take anything away from the Lord. You may, but it's highly unlikely. It's highly unlikely Ronnie Floyd He recommends that you use the one-year Bible. It's a chronological Bible. One year. It goes all the way through. You can read through the entire Bible in the one-year Bible. Okay? He recommends that. This will help you from aimlessly flipping to find a scripture to read. And I thought this was interesting. He said, write a special letter. Write a special letter. Write a letter to God after spending time with him. And the letter could contain these two things. First, Write down anything you sense God has specifically spoken to you through his word. And second, write down the main things on your heart that you prayed for during this time with the Lord. Write a special letter. He said he does that every time, every gets through. Some of you may be good at journaling. You may be good at journaling. i am telling you, I'm the world's worst at journaling. You know why? Because my journals turn into sermons. It's so difficult for me to read the Bible for myself. I'm just being honest with you. I sit down, I'm like, oh, Lord, thank you, thank you. I'm like, oh, point one. <laughs> point two. Oh, sub-point ABC. You know, I'm like, oh, Jesus, please stop this. You know? It just gets ingrained in your brain. And I'm thinking, this is good for a sermon series. And I'm like, I don't want to preach a sermon series right now, Lord. I want you to speak to me. It's hard. I'm just being honest with you. And I think most pastors struggle with that as well. Because you want to read for yourself, but then it ends up being a sermon for everybody. Which... That's okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Because sometimes you can get some really good ones that way, but it's 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 really challenging, you know, because I need the Lord to speak to me about my issues a lot of the times. I need him. Listen, I, I'm a sheep as well as a shepherd, okay? And I, I need the good shepherd to tell me to lie down in those green pastures just like you do. Because I'm, I'm looking over here and looking over there, and the Lord's like, no. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. You ever read that? That means that my head's spinning. I'm distracted. Squirrel, you know, I'm I'm looking around. You know, but the Lord says, no, lie down. Right here. This This is good. I know what's good for you. Lie down. It's okay. And I think we need that time with the Lord. We need to write a letter, journal. And then lastly is set a special goal. Number six, set a special goal. Set a goal of meeting with God consistently for at least 21 days. I've heard it said, and you may have too. Anything you do for 21 days consistently will become a habit. Set a goal of 21 days. That you will get in the Word of God, and you will pray a meaningful prayer. And you may say, I don't know what to pray. All right, I've already told you, you know where you can read. You know where you can pray. 40 days of prayer, right there. Okay? 40 days of prayer. On top of that, you may say... Well, that's just one line. That's one sentence. Back there in the foyer, we have a calendar that has uh, North American missionaries and church planters. You can grab you a calendar on the way out. Pray for that. Pray for that guy. Pray for that couple. Pray for that female, whatever it may be. Not all of them church planters. Some of them are missionaries. But pray for them. Pray for their. Pray for their situation. Pray for their city. Pray for their congregation. Pray for their ministry. Pray for me. Pray for Donald. Pray for Misty. Pray for all of our Sunday school teachers. Pray for the deacons. Pray for the person that sits on the pew beside you. Pray for the guests that will come through the door on Sunday morning. Pray for people. Pray for God's outpouring of his blessing. Pray for them. Elijah went up there and he put himself into a posture of prayer. Says He bent down, put his head between his knees. Because he wanted to focus on the Lord, he tells the servant, "Go back, come back, go back, go back, back." Seven different times he says that. Seventh time, the the servant comes back and he says, "Oh, I see a I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand rising up out of the out of the sea." And Elijah says, "Oh, you better hoof it, buddy. You better get over there and see Elijah. I mean, not Elijah. You better get over there and tell Ahab. You better get on your chariot and and hustle back to town, or else you ain't gonna make it." Why does he have to tell him that? Well, he tells him that because it is. Uh, this is what historians conclude. I'm going to read this to you. Uh, it is quite conceivable that the royal chariot may have conveyed Ahab to the plateau of sacrifice and have waited for him there. And then after heavy rain, though, the Kishon, which collects the whole drainage of the large basin, the Great plain soon becomes an impassable swamp. And this person goes on to say, I could tell you from past experiences that in wet seasons, it is extremely muddy. And then the Kishon causes great tribulation to the mule tears. That's an interesting word. Obviously, this coming out of an old commentary. Uh, causes great uh, tribulation to the mule tears. And rarely indeed do they get over without some of the animals sticking fast in the oozy bottom. See, that's, that's the uh, pulpit commentary. That's a classic one. Uh, but, but it's telling you, listen, he, Elijah knew, Ahab, you better get in that chariot. You better hustle and go or else the back wheels are going to get bogged down and you might even lose some of your uh, horses and, and animals that are bringing you across there. You better get going because I see it. And then it tells us, the scripture tells us, and this is what I call the dashing downpour of the promise, verses 45 and 46. So what happens here? It happened in the meantime. The, the servant has taken off to tell Ahab and in the meantime while he's going over there there is a the sky begins to turn black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain and we've experienced that plenty of times haven't we a, a, a storm comes up out of nowhere and you're like oh my goodness and so here it is he's telling you better you better hustle you better get out there because here it comes it's coming up fast and uh and then we read there it says that so Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. So he's already in his chariot. He's booking it. Here comes this downpour uh, of the promise because the promise is being fulfilled right now. They're in the midst of fulfillment of the foreseen promise. And he's been praying for it. Now here comes the dash. Listen at this. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and read ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now I'm going to tell you, I... I've told several people, I don't really know what the application of this is right here for our walk with Jesus Christ. I really don't. All I know is this. It makes me think of like superhero movies. You know, it says the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. Have you ever seen The Flash? you ever seen The Flash in the Justice League movies or anything like that? You know, it's like he can run around the world fast and actually make time change and all that kind of stuff. It makes me think the Lord has done put the Flash power in Elijah. The hand of the Lord comes upon him. And he gets to move it so fast, he girds up his loins. And what does that mean? They they wore manly dresses. I don't know what you call it. Manly dresses. And they'd take those things up and they wore a big sash, a belt. And they'd take those things up and when they when they competed in competitions, they had take it up and they'd tuck those things back up into their belts so that they could run they and lift them knees up, you know? And, and so here he is. He's bolting out. Boom! And I don't know how far ahead Ahab had gotten a start on him. But it says the hand of the Lord was on him at such a degree, he caught up to a chariot and passed the chariot, getting back to Jezreel. He's a speed demon. He was moving. The hand of the Lord was on him. I say, I don't know what the application is for all that, but it's cool stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Maybe if you submit to the hand of the Lord, the Lord will get you where you need to go faster than the enemy. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I mean, you. I struggled all week. I was like, Lord, what do you do with this? You know, you just tell it in a cool way. I mean, this is is so cool, you know? And and like I just think about that and I think I think this is such an interesting portion, but I guess I guess as I look at this for us in our lives in our context today, uh there's just going back to look at the whole passage of scripture. Going back even to uh to the prophets Abel, the prophets of Asherah, the fact that, that Elijah told uh, the, the people of Israel, he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? How long will you waver between two opinions? You know, you got to make a choice. You and I, we've got to make a choice as to who we're going to follow. And when we ignore the reality of the glorious God of the Bible, we are choosing drought over God's dashing downpour. We're choosing a drought in our lives. And when we participate, listen to this, this is, this is something I thought was pretty good. When we participate in the victory by sight, but not by action, we are still without heavenly hydration. You may see a lot of good things happen, but you don't participate in it when you know you should be and can be. You're missing out on, if, if you will, I'm using some things here to go along with this downpour, this water. You're missing out on the heavenly hydration. Scripture tells us that there will be a fountain flowing up in you. It tells us that in uh, John 4, 14. Jesus says to them, Whoever drinks of the water I give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. That's how that's going to happen. If we receive Christ, we will receive that heavenly hydration, if you will. You want to be filled with joy and blessing? Don't just observe the goodness of God. Participate in it. Don't just observe it from a distance. Participate in the goodness of God. How can you do that? How can you do that at New Prospect Baptist Church? You can serve by feeding our children on Wednesdays. I know we got a few people in place, but you might want to jump in there. You get the fellowship and you get the bless. People that come, The young kids that come on the bus. And anybody, any other kids. It's not just for the bad kids. It's for all the kids that come in. That meal is for them. You can serve by feeding our children on these nights. You can serve by feeding our community on the third Saturday of each month. You can serve by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can serve by growing your faith and asking the Lord to guide you into new leadership opportunities. You can serve by being hospitable to our guests that come in. On our, through our doors, on our campus, and everywhere else. There's folks that may not know where to go. How do you get to Anthony Hall if you come into the sanctuary? How do you get to the sanctuary if you come into Anthony Hall? Where are the restrooms? Serve. Be hospitable. That's one way the Lord can bless you. Be hospitable to our guests. You can serve by, you know what, singing in the choir. We still got plenty of empty seats. You can come and sing in a choir. You can serve in that way. There's a lot of different ways that you can participate and not just observe the Lord. And you can be a part of the church. Serve and be a part. The Israelites have been participating in dry, dead worship of false gods. Once they proclaimed the Lord was God, they were energized. They had so much energy, they were willing to go kill some folks for it. Now, listen, I'm not telling you this, that we need to go out and kill folks when we get energized with the Lord. All right? But I'm telling you, he's going to energize you to do the work that that people are calling you to do, that the prophet calls you to do. And we need to be energized. We We need to be animated through the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be animated through the power of the Holy Spirit. I've used this illustration before, and I'm fixing to wrap it up. When, when you've got a, have taken a sheet of paper before and put about 20 sheets of paper in there and you take a stick person and you draw a stick person on the first sheet. And then on the next sheet, you draw the same stick person with one piece moved a little bit. And then you do it and you move the stick person a little bit more. And, and as long as that paper is sitting still, that's just a stick person on a piece of paper. But when you take it and you flip it, it becomes animated. And it looks like the little stick person is moving. You know why? Because I've given it life. And that's what happens to us. Apart from Christ, we are dead. We're just a stick person on an unmoving piece of paper. But when the Holy Spirit comes into us, the Lord animates us and flips us into action and gives us a purpose. And we become animated for Him. And we move. And in Him, we have our our move and our moving and our breathing and all of that is in Him. And he animates us. He gives us life. Where are you today? Are you in a drought? Are you dry? Are you parched? Are you broken? Just like the land of Israel. The land of Israel desired that it needed that drought. The people need, excuse me, it needed that rain. It needed that downpour. There's people. Maybe the sitting here today. You are dry. You are parched. You are broken, and you need the Lord to pour into your life. You need a downpour of the Holy Spirit in your soul. Well, you got to quit just observing. You got to participate. You got to quit observing. You got to participate. Let Him animate you. Let Him let Him energize you. What have you been praying for lately? Elijah prayed. It said he prayed diligently. He got down in that posture of prayer and he prayed and prayed. What are you praying for? What do you need in your life today? Pray specifically. Pray specifically. Don't pray bland blanket prayers. The Lord knows your needs. If you've got a need, pray for it. Ask. Scripture tells us, In Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. The asking is the desire. The seeking is your direction. And the knock is your determination. God wants to bring them all together. That should be evidenced in your prayer life. Ask, seek, and knock. What are you praying for? What are your needs today? I'm not saying you wants, your needs. And lastly, take time now. Pray. Pray. Ask God to work in your heart. Maybe it's for salvation. Maybe it's for a restored relationship with a family member or a spouse. Maybe it's a job situation. But pray and trust God for the outcome.